TII item 422, March 12th, 2017, iOS 10.3, Beta 4, and Beta 5. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is sponsored by Texture. Go right now to texture.com slash TII to get your free trial. This episode of Today in iOS is brought to you by Casper. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash TII and using promo code TII. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and you are listening to the Today in iOS podcast. Sorry, no music for this episode. I'm all out of music that was created on iOS device. If you have some, send it in. I want to thank Neil for sending in the artwork for today's show. Neil wrote the following. Hey, Rob, love the show. Here is some artwork I do live on stage during my live music event. This image was created with the Apple's photo editor and the Photoshop app. And you can find more of my artwork at livepainter.com and neilbarbosa.com. Feel free to grab any of my artwork for your show. Regards, Neil. Well, thanks, Neil, for sending in this artwork, which, um, folks, you can see Neil's artwork in the free TI app via the bonus button for episode 422 or at instagram.com slash todayinios and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. And one thing I would love to do this year, as I mentioned in some previous episodes, is if you can get a picture of yourself in front of your local Apple store, have that picture taken by someone else so that you're all the way in there, not just a selfie of just part of your head. And then put the TII or Today in iOS branding on it. And also let me know the city or put the city and state and country on the artwork saying which Apple store it is. I would love to kick that off starting April uh, with the 10-year anniversary of the show. Make sure to get all the Apple store in there. And again, to add the store location using an app like Over or something like that to put it right on there along with the TII branding. And some people have sent in some and they're really great. So And from all over the country uh, world, I should say. So that's nice. We'll see how many countries and and states we can get covered. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm completely out of music. So if you have some music you have created on your device, please send that in. In this segment of How Wrong Were They? We have the following quote. Quote, Nokia may hasten the end of the Apple revolution. Unquote. Kafi Bofa, Seeking Alpha, 30th, October 2013. Almost Bofa. That caused me to have to go look up the definition of hasten. And yup, it's still what I thought it was. Quote, cause something to happen sooner than it otherwise would. Unquote. Um, no. It was actually Apple that hastened the end of the Nokia revolution. No promo codes this week. If you're a dev or an iBook author, shame on you for not sending in your promo codes. Bad marketer are you. A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, or even making iMessage stickers... Email me if you want your app or iBook or stickers featured in the promo giveaway segment for free. We just need the five promo codes more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook or stickers indicating you are the dev, author, or creator. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. 
One week after iOS 10.3 Beta 3 was released, Apple released Beta 4. Then a little more than a week later, Apple released Beta 5. One thing all the articles were consistent in saying about both betas was pretty much nothing about there being any new features, just the normal bug fixes and optimizations. That said, Beta 5, since installing it on my device, I've had numerous failed calls, none of which I had prior to Beta 5. It seems it turned on Wi-Fi calling by default when I updated to Beta 5, or at least I think that's what happened. And my Wi-Fi being a little flaky caused the calls to drop. So if you're getting failed calls and you're running Beta 5, check to see if you had Wi-Fi calling turned on by accident or default or however it got turned on. Other than that, it seems fine and ready for release. I did hear uh, on one maybe new feature with Beta 5 users, and that is if they're in Canada, some Beta users, not all, are reporting seeing the TV app on their device. Reports say while the app can be open, it's not fully functional, so it's possible when 10.3 is released to the public, the TV app may be available in Canada. On February 27th, Apple released WatchOS 3.2 Beta 4, a week after Beta 3 was released, and then on March 8th, Beta 5 was released. No listed new features for Beta 4 or 5, just the typical bug fixes and optimizations. And then on February 28th, Apple also released tvOS 10.2 Beta 4, which was one week after Beta 3. And then on March 8th, Apple released Beta 5. No reports on any new features for Beta 4 or 5 for Apple tvOS as well. So you guessed it, just bug fixes and optimization, which is good, which means we're getting closer to the public release of all three of these. And we should hopefully see it here within the next month. We'll see if, if we get a beta 6 here this coming week. Um, if there's not this week, then we might see public the following week. Uh, ten Apple in the past went a couple weeks, and they would go two weeks, two weeks, and then I was looking at pattern, then it went week, 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 release. So we'll see if we get another release here this coming week. If not, maybe the following week we go public. Let's get into the email bag. All right, this came into my inbox today, and I scanned the overview. Now, I thought to myself, lying clickbait tech media, but I also thought you'd be the perfect one to validate any grains of truth in this report. I happen to have an iPhone 6, and that was the model reportedly experiencing the steepest rise in bugs, crashes, and issues. I admit I've had more trouble in the past year than before, but never quantified it. I keep the phone up to date and don't meddle with jailbreaks nor use iOS betas. So what's the deal here? News or fake news? As always, thanks for keeping us informed and keep up the good work. Regards, Paul G. in Lawrenceville. Well, hi, Paul. Thanks for this email. And this, folks, is per the report that comes out each quarter from Blanco, B-L-A-N-N-C-O. Uh, and the causes articles with titles like this, quote, iPhones are much more unreliable than Android devices, claims a report, and the newer the iPhone, the worse the reliability, unquote, from ZDNet. And, quote, study finds that iPhone performance is far less reliable than Android, unquote, from BGR. And lots of other similar articles that have two things in common. One, they have link bait titles proclaiming iPhones are less reliable than Android based on a report from Blanco. And two, they did not actually, you know, check with Blanco on the methodology of the report which is strange given the lack of clarity from the report. Their latest version finds iPhones fail more often than Android devices. From the study, 
Back in November, Blanco said, quote, while iOS devices running social-oriented third-party apps like Instagram and Snapchat were more likely to crash, Android devices were more likely to crash when running more basic system apps such as the address book and Google Play services, unquote. However, what is not really explained in the report, well, clearly that is, is their definition of a crash, is it any app failure or dropped call or any other issues? And back in November, the previous time they did this report, I contacted them, but no response. So I contacted them again this time, and here's what I sent to them both times. Quote, one, how was the data normalized for usage? You say the iOS devices crashed, X was it X percent of the time versus X percent of the time for Android, but is that based on the exact amount of time use, using the devices, or is it just based on the amount of crashes during Q4, even though one platform may have been used much more than the other? And two, is this based on crash report logs from your client's smartphones running your software or from observations and users manually reporting, unquote? And this time, they actually did reply. And here is what they said, quote, the data in the report is based on devices that were brought into our clients for testing repairs using our Blanco mobile diagnostic software and is not representative of the entire population. In regards to your question number one below, we don't measure the amount of time people are using their devices. We look at the performance of the devices based on the diagnostic tests run on the devices. Also, our crashing app data is based on crash report logs from devices that were brought into our clients' locations for testing using our software. They're not based on observations or manual reporting from users. Thanks, Regini Bahala, Senior Director, Global Communications, Blanco, unquote. So here is the problem with the Blanco report. If someone is using an iOS device for 80 hours a week and has 10 crashes, and another person is using their Samsung device for 10 hours a week and has six crashes, then you can't say the iOS device is less reliable. You have to normalize for the amount of use, which clearly they have not done. Their own answers totally negates all the link bait saying iPhones are less reliable than Android devices. Of course, there are more crashes. People use their iPhones more than Android users, which also goes along with the iPhones from the report. Crashes were more likely on third-party apps, but on Android, it was more from the built-in apps, which goes back to iOS users download more and use more apps. And it also saw more crashes from Samsung. So, gee, guess what? The more likely Android device that's going to be used more often of all the Android devices is the Samsung, and that one had the most crashes. But iOS had more crashes because people use their iPhones more than Android users. That's been shown throughout history and times and surveys. So... Unfortunately, the Blanco report is completely worthless because they don't nominalize for hours of use. So, Paul, thanks for the email. And while not truly fake news, it is definitely really poorly reported news where no one took the time to check on the story news. Back on episode 414, I said the following with regards to Apple's battery replacement plan for iPhone 6s shutting down when they had around 30 to 40% battery life listed. Quote, Apple keeps stating that this issue is just per the iPhone 6S and just a small number. However, according to Business Insider, Apple's store employees are saying this issue is actually very common and it is more than just the iPhone 6S. I personally can say my son's iPhone 5S has had this issue since updating to iOS 10 
It is also being reported by one of the Apple geniuses that there weren't enough batteries on hand to handle all the requests for replacements. It really does look like there is more here than Apple is letting on, unquote. And now Apple is saying, hey, guess what? Never mind. It was a software issue all along. And updating to iOS 10.2.1 fixes most phones. Apple is saying they are seeing an 80% reduction in the number of iPhone 6S handsets unexpectedly shutting down and a 70% reduction for the iPhone 6 devices. But hey, I was not the only one that said something smelled fishy back when Apple announced a battery replacement plan. Many of you wrote in asking what the heck and that your non-iPhone 6S had the issue too. So again, if you had the issue, it sounds like just updating to iOS 10.2.1 is the update you are looking for and not a battery replacement. I could and probably should go on a rant about this situation, but I would just say that Apple had recommended people pay to replace the batteries on the iPhone 6 devices that now look like they just needed a software update. Hopefully, Apple will look through their records, and for those that did pay Apple for the new battery, that Apple reimbursed them for that. If a class action lawsuit has not been filed yet, then it's just a matter of days before one is. Fly away, little WWDC press pass. Fly away, little WWDC press pass. Tim Cook, in an interview with the Daily Telegraph newspaper, said that fake news is, quote, killing minds, unquote, and that the government and tech firms must act to stop it. Cook went on to say that lies are being spread by people who want to, quote, to get the most clicks, not tell the truth. It's killing people's minds in a way, unquote. Cook called for a massive campaign to raise awareness of untrustworthy news stories. This is a topic, if you are a longtime listener of the show, you know I have been fighting since basically the show launched, calling out fake news sites like Digitimes, BGR, This Is My Next, which then became The Verge, and many others. What I have called link baiters, the news media now is calling fake news sites. Either way, be it tech or politics, the agenda is the same. Drive traffic to their sites at any cost. It will be interesting to see what Apple does on this front. This is not a new news issue, and one that has benefited some quite well for partaking in it. Look at what This Is My Next did. It was almost completely fake news when it launched. It then morphed into The Verge, which was then acquired by Vox Media. So right now, the reward for many is not responsible journalism or any journalism. It's just cranking out made-up stories with great link-baked titles to drive up page views. It's really sad. And with fake news sites, not all the stories are fake, just enough to drive traffic and awareness to the site. That is where I think Apple and others are going to really be challenged, picking out which is which. You know, would you ban The Verge today? Probably not. There's a lot of legit stories, but there's still fake ones. But early on, it was the other way. It was almost all fake. So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what Apple and others do in this front. This leads us into our first sponsor today, Texture. As I said before, Texture is essentially the Netflix of magazines. You get access to over 200 of top magazines. And here is why it is really important in the current environment. These are real news publications, no fake news from either the right or the left or people looking for link bait. We're talking real credible news magazines like Time Magazine, The New Yorker, Macworld, Popular Science, and many others. You know, the type that still believe in two verified sources before reporting something. But you only need one app and service to get all these great magazines, and that is Texture. And Texture really helps me keep track of the podcasting market space and the smartphone industry. 
That is the beauty of Texture. You get access to over 200 top magazines covering every niche with your subscription. And Texture has gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself. They made it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read. With daily recommendations, exclusive interactive features, videos, and more, Texture is normally $9.99 a month, and you can get over 200 magazines. But if you sign up right now at texture.com slash TII, you'll get a 14-day free trial to check it out. The magazines look great on your iPhone and iPad, and that means you have access to all the magazines anytime, anywhere. And here's what I really like. You can search for a topic across all the magazines, search for podcasts, and sort by newest, and I can keep up to date on my day job. Why on earth would you subscribe to just a couple of magazines when you could have all the best ones on your smartphone or tablet all the time for way less? Sign up for Texture right now and gain insider access to all the content from the world's best publications with no trees being killed to bring you these great publications. It's all just bits, man. And once again, go to texture.com slash TII to get your free 14-day trial. Get real news from real news sources. Last week, WikiLeaks released thousands and thousands of documents, which, among other things, talked about how the CIA had a bunch of exploits for the iPhone and Android devices. The exploits were found by a special CIA software unit, and it, it seems the announcement of such a unit was shocking news to some. Really? Like you did not think the CIA had a bunch of hackers on payroll looking for exploits? Well, if you didn't, then time you go out and rent the movie Sneakers. It's a great movie. The CIA group is supposed to have amassed 14 iOS zero-day exploits and 24 Android zero-day exploits. And I bet they did not work so hard to get the Android ones. Per the exploits found by the CIA, Apple has stated that most of them were patched by iOS 10. Quote, while our initial analysis indicates that many of the issues leaked today were already patched in the latest iOS, we will continue to work rapidly, address any identified vulnerabilities. We always urge customers to download the latest iOS to make sure they have the most recent security updates, unquote, an Apple spokesman said in a statement. There were lots of reports out there on these leaks and the CIA Hackers Club and the zero-day exploits for Apple, again, most of which were already addressed in iOS 10. If you have not upgraded to iOS 10 yet, first, really? And second, then you are <laughs> in the big minority right now. Uh, over 80% of users have, so snap, snap, get with it. What is interesting is that the CIA did not share any of these exploits with Apple ahead of time. They were basically sitting on them for their own use, which I understand why they do that. But now that the docs are out there, Apple engineers are going to be able to find and patch the few that were not updated with iOS 10 already. This would not have happened without the leaks. Regardless of your opinion of WikiLeaks, their release of these documents will make your iOS device a more secure device in the future. From what I read, many of the exploits on the iOS side are the types that require users to go to a site with a compromised page, and then again, you're already patched, and it's not easy to get exploited from what I've read on the iOS side. In short term, though, Putting all these exploits out there in the public will make some devices more vulnerable as now Black Hats will have more info on exploits, but more than likely they will be focusing on the 24 Android exploits and not the 14 iOS exploits. And there are two key reasons why. One, more Android devices out there. And two, Android devices rarely get updates 
And when they do, it takes a long time. It might be six months from when Google deploys a fix, then it gets to the manufacturer, and then to the carrier, and then finally to the end user, if at all. These leaks are of moderate concern if you're running iOS devices, because a patch is coming shortly that you'll be able to quickly update to. And again, many of the ones that were listed were already patched. But if you're on an Android device, well, then all bets are off. I don't mean to downplay this too much on the iOS side, but most of the articles that came out a couple of days after uh, that took some time to look into this and the real impact seem to think this is a non-issue for iOS users, with some of the iOS devs saying there was nothing announced that wasn't kind of already known in the iOS community. At the end of February, Apple released some numbers on iOS 10 adoption, saying that just in just over five months after the release, 79% of active iOS devices have iOS 10 installed. iOS 9 is at 16%, and all earlier versions combined are at 5%. In comparison, Android 7, Nougat, released just before iOS 10 by more than a month, uh, according to Google, has now an adoption rate of 2.8%. That's 2.8 versus 79. Ouch. The most popular version in use on Android is Lollipop version 5 with 32.5%. That was released in the fall of 2014. See previous article about 24 zero-day exploits amassed by the CIA to understand why this is an issue for Android users. At this point, there are basically two reasons to still be on iOS 9 or earlier. First, your device does not allow updating to iOS 10, at which point you might... They, hey, it's time for a new device and just give that one to the kids to watch Netflix and YouTube. And the second reason is you are jailbroken, in which case you knew all bets were off on security and you don't really care anyway. But if security is important, if you use your device for work-related items, then by all means, update to iOS 10.2.1 ASAP. You know what? iOS users are not just downloading updates more often. They're also buying and downloading apps more often iOS users in the U.S. spent an average of $40 on premium apps and in-app purchases in 2016. That's up from $35 in 2015. Not surprising, games made up the majority of the spend, 27 of the 40. Next was music at $3.60, then entertainment at $2.30. But I would say, is not games and music both entertainment? So you kind of can combine them all together there. Social networking was $2. I would guess that would be mostly in-app purchases for Tinder. And then finally, photo and video apps came in fifth with 70 cents and purchases. And most of that was for photo editing software to make people's Tinder pictures look better. All the data comes from Sensor Tower, which estimates based on data pulled from 132 million active iOS devices in the U.S. during 2016. All revenue is what the users spent prior to Apple's 30% cut. Hey, Rob. This is uh, Justin from Pennsylvania. I was calling because I finally got my AirPods. I used the ISM stock once I um, was in the market. I thought I was definitely going to buy a pair. And I'm really glad I did. Um, I think the one thing that is most remarkable about them is the charging case. And I've never had a pair, pair of Bluetooth headsets that I really don't think I can wear out in one full day of use. I mean, because you're always taking them off at some point or if I'm listening to podcasts about one one earphone, the podcast, and so many of those mini Bluetooth sets don't let you, only let the right side use it, but the great thing about them working with Apple the way they do is they just, you get both, you can use them independently, which makes it amazing. 
Also, I was surprised at the call quality. Most people couldn't tell when I was using them. I'm actually I'm using them now, so I guess anyone listening can get another chance to hear what someone else sounds like with them. And the charging case is super neat. Takes a little getting used to how to get your AirPods out of the case, um, but once you do, it's super easy. It's, I love that everything's magnetic. It is truly the first product in a while from Apple that you can say just works and feels magical when you use it, and that's really the best review I could give them. I, I mean, the battery life. I cannot stress enough how impressed I am with how that works. Like I, my first day of use, I think I used them almost ten hours. And I still had 100% on the buds at the end with 60-some uh, percent in the charging case. So it is pretty remarkable how much you get out of out of them in a day. And you could totally go two days of use, even if you're using both buds. So I don't know. I'm just super impressed with them. So it sounded just like the earpods. Um, my wife doesn't think they look as goofy as yours does, but... Uh, I don't know. They're amazing. I, they're one of the best products from Apple I've used in a long time. So thank you very much, Rob. Have a great day. Bye. Justin, thanks for the feedback. One thing I will note on my AirPods I've heard is there's a delay sometimes when I answer a call before someone can hear me, like a two or three second delay. I'll answer the call and then they don't hear me. I'll like, hello? And then I have to wait a second. Then I'll say hello and they'll hear me on the second hello, but not the first. I've read a couple people with that issue. Hopefully that's something Apple will fix with an update. But right now, that's my only issue with the AirPods is that uh, delay when I answer a call. And I don't know if that's because they weren't fully connected. But usually, it's I already had them in my ears when that happens. But yeah, the battery life, I agree with you. They last all day. And um, they're now becoming really the only earbuds that I'm using. They're the only way I, I use to listen to my iPhone. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Here's a tip that I think works on all Force Touch iPhones. Instead of double tapping the home button, try Force Touching on the left edge of the screen. This works on the iPhone 6S running iOS 10.2.1. Maybe that's the start of removing the home button. Regards, Thomas from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thomas, thank you for that tip. And wow, that works really nice. So again, on the left side, just Force Touch on the very left edge of the screen when you have an app open. And you should see it where it then moves over a little, and then you can slide it out of the way and see others, just like as if you had double-tapped the home button to um, get down to all the open apps. And then you can slide through, find the other app you want, and open it up that way. So it's a, a real fast way to switch between apps. So, Thomas, thank you for that tip. Hi, Rob. I thought I'd give you an update on how Apple deals with lost AirPods. I lost one of my AirPods last week, so I contacted Apple Support on Saturday. The advisor took the serial number from my AirPod case, and my personal details, and within a few minutes, I had received an email requesting payment by credit card, made the payment immediately, and I received my replacement AirPod on Wednesday. Great service. Regards, Stuart Duncan, Dundee, Scotland. Stuart, thank you for the feedback and being the first one to be brave enough to report in that you lost one of your AirPods. So we've had one person go swimming with them, and now you've lost one. So while you may have been the first, you will not be the last in either of those categories. From Karthik M in the Google Plus community, quote, I don't see anything special with the way Beats X connects with my Apple TV. I have to pair it manually to my Apple TV, like go to settings, remote, and devices every time. I thought I would be able to simply select it right from the audio tab when playing something. Yes, it uses the same Apple ID for our iPad. I can select it right from the control center, which is good. Uh, unquote. So 
Well, yeah, unfortunately, even with the AirPods, they're like that too. And Apple said that connecting to Apple TV wasn't as easy as connecting to your other devices. So unfortunately for now, Apple TV and your AirPods and Beats X, uh, it's not as easy to switch between them and other devices. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. Would facial recognition include an eye scan? If so, it would not work for many people who are blind. People like my friend cannot hold their eyes open due to the atrophy, the muscles that move the eyelid. Regards, Melissa. Melissa, when they have facial recognition, if they have facial recognition, that is different, though, than eye scans. So facial recognition is going to look at points in your face and the shape of your face. Then there is retinal scans, which would require actually scanning in on the eye. One area where Apple has been extremely good over the years is in the area of accessibility. They're not going to release an iPhone that blind users could not use. So they will have solutions in there for blind users and other people with other disabilities that will allow them to unlock the device. So don't fret. Apple will have you covered. And I'll say this, even if they do have a retina scan in the future, it won't be the only way to unlock. I'm not huge fan on the retina scan. There's a lot of times where it's hard to get the device up to scan your eye. That's kind of a pain. I mean, think about you have to hold it up, scan your eye, versus just having the phone down there where you normally are going to use it and putting your finger on it. The retina scan one rumor sounds sci-fi-ish. Not sure it's ever going to be something Apple implements. We'll see. Hi, Rob. It's Shannon in Arizona. Hey, I've got a quick question concerning the AirPods. I played around with them a little the other day. I'm loving them, by the way. Absolutely love my AirPods. But I noticed that when I record and uh, audio recording, such as I'm doing now, uh, I can use the AirPods for the mic, which is awesome. Uh, but a buddy of mine was asking, uh, Todd over at Trucker Dump, uh, he has his own podcast. He was asking if we could use or if I could use the mic for video recording. And I tried it and you can't. So my question is, do you know of any apps that will allow that? Or is that maybe a jailbreak feature? Uh, neither one of us are, uh, nor want to be. So uh, that's my question. Anyway, I uh, hope someone has an answer, maybe. Thanks. Appreciate everything you do, Rob. Take care. Bye. Shannon, thanks for the voicemail message. And I'll throw this one out to the audience. Does anyone know of a video recording app on an iOS device that allows the AirPods to be used as the input signal for the audio? I'm not aware of one, but if anyone has one that they've used or is a developer of one, let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or shoot an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let us know which apps out there for video recording allow you to select the AirPods as the input source for the video. We are now over 3,500 members in our Google Plus community and growing. Thanks to everyone that has joined and thanks for the great posts. One new post in the Google Plus community that went up since the last episode was from Stephen Watley, who asked the following, quote, uh, interesting, my 12.9-inch iPad Pro just told me there was an update to the USB 3 camera adapter from Apple, so I told it to go ahead. After the update, I can not use the USB, I still can't use the USB 3 male-to-male aid a cable to sync the iPad Pro to my latest 2015 iMac with USB 3 ports, unquote. Karthik then replied, quote, interesting, I have the same adapter connected to the Air, Air 2, didn't get this, unquote. And as he replied back, quote, the USB 3 version uh, with both 
female USB and female lightning port might need uh, an iPad Pro that supports USB 3 in order to get the update. As far as I know, the 12.9-inch iPad Pro is the only iDevice that supports USB 3. I don't know if the iPhone 7 or 7 Plus do USB 3. I don't think so, unquote. And when I connected my USB 3 camera adapter, because I had that, uh, to my Air uh, iPad Pro, it also prompted me for updating the accessory. Initial testing, I could not see how it worked any different. And looking around, there are no articles or posts up on anything that the update did. I did find one small forum board post where the person thought it uh, was about adding compatibility with USB Ethernet dongle, but I can't confirm nor deny that. If anyone else updated their USB 3 camera adapter for the iPad Pro and knows of a new feature added or one removed, let us know, 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moon Dog. Stephen Purr, the question about the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus and the USB 3 connector, when I plugged it into my iPhone, it did not ask for an update. Now it's possible the update was actually flashed to the connector when I when I did it. It took a while for it to download and update. Um, uh, and it was not a driver that was just updated on the iPad, so it might be something that actually updated the connector itself. We'll find out. Uh, since the last episode, there were also dozens and dozens and dozens of other new posts. Actually, it was a lot since it was a long time since the last episode. And there are a lot of comments in the TI Google Plus community which is an Android fanboy's free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in, and thanks to all 3,500 plus of you already in the community and contributing. Hey, Rob, this is for the guy from Washington, D.C., Capitol Hill. I believe he said he returned his ear- AirPods, or AirPods, but I find that to be the best headphone accessory I have ever had when paired with an Apple Watch. He was saying the fit wasn't right for his ears, And if you put covers on them, the case would not close. I saw these foam covers on YouTube, and they work. For under two bucks, you get a hundred of them, and they keep the earwax off your buds. Give it a try, and the case closes, and you get a better fit. Here's the link. Thanks, Rob. Regards, David J. And if you look in the show notes, look for Amazon.com, Freddy 100 Pieces, Black Sponge Ear Pod Soft Foam. Well, it probably won't have that much, but you'll you'll get an idea when you look in the show notes for episode 422 over at todayinios.com. There's a link there. And sounds like they will work with your case closed, or so David J says. Are you one of those people that have been waiting with bated breath for more from HomeKit? Well, Apple has a new mini site for HomeKit, which is there to help educate you about the new HomeKit enabled accessories. The site URL best viewed from an iOS device is apple.com slash iOS slash home. The site, as well expected, is all about HomeKit-enabled accessories, the HomeKit app, and how to best use both. Some interesting news. Apple now says iPhones that have undergone screen repairs by a third party now still qualify for warranty coverage, as long as said screen repair is not related to the issue being covered. In the past, if you had walked into an Apple store, an Apple-authorized service provider, and had an issue that should be covered under the warranty, but had a third party previously repair the screen, replace the screen, there was no soup for you. They would quickly tell you the warranty was void. Not sure if this is a sign of a kinder, gentler Apple or some lawsuit spurred this action. Either way, good news for iPhone owners. 
I want to thank Casper again for supporting our show in 2017. We love our Casper mattress. It is by far the best mattress in the house. Casper mattresses combine supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. There are no noisy springs to wake up your significant other when you get up in the middle of the night to sneak out and get some of those Girl Scout cookies. Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price that an in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing. I guess they probably needed something good to sleep on after all that work. But don't take just my word on how good their mattresses are. There are over 20,000 reviews in Amazon and Google with an average of 4.8 stars. It is quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. They offer sizes from twin to California kings with a great price. And with Casper, you get a 100-day risk-free trial period. You don't like it, you get your money back, and they come and pick it up and donate it to charity. If you go to casper.com slash TII and use promo code TII, you'll save $50. Terms and conditions apply. This is an American-made mattress with delivery right now for the U.S. and Canada only, and it is free delivery. And when said mattress is delivered, it is from UPS in a squarish box that you think, no way is there a mattress in there, but you get a cool little tool to cut open the package, and the mattress opens up, expands to form. It is really cool. Just Google Casper Mattress Unboxing. No reason to leave your house at all. You order online, and it's delivered to your door, so you don't have to go out in the cold. Again, to save $50 off, go to casper.com slash TII and use promo code TII, all lowercase on the promo code. Again, casper.com slash TII, promo code TII to save $50. Thanks, Casper, for the great mattress and for sponsoring this show. Apple released some details on the WWDC 2017 scholarship rules and deadlines. This is for student developers. So any student 13 years or older, sorry, Henry, you have to wait. Submission will run from Monday, March 27th at 10 a.m. Pacific Time to Sunday, April 2nd at 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Winners will be notified on Friday, April 21st, no specific time given. You will also need a dev license, even the free one will work. And new this year for applying is this requirement from Apple, quote, upload your Swift Playground. Create a visually interactive scene in the Swift Playground that can be experienced within three minutes. Be creative. You can use Swift Playgrounds on an iPad or Xcode on a Mac OS. If you need inspiration, start with the templates in Swift Playgrounds for a head start on more advanced creations. Get inventive and make them your own by adding graphics, audio, and more. Describe your Swift Playgrounds. Tell us about the features and technologies you used in Swift Playgrounds in 500 words or less, unquote. And Apple also requires a 500 word or less essay that includes, quote, how you've considered sharing your coding knowledge and enthusiasm for computer science with others, unquote. Link in the show notes titled Apple Scholarship for more info. If you submit, please let me know. There were lots of rumors last month in January uh, as well about a special Apple event in March. There were even posts as late as March 1st claiming Apple asked Target to return iPhone SEs by March 1st, claiming that that was an indication that it was coming. It seemed unlikely for a March event at the time those rumors were first reported, and now it seems even more unlikely as nothing has been announced. There's no leaked photos of any new products uh, that are out there. So what happens when you report rumors about a March event in January and February and then March gets here? Well, naturally, you start talking about an April event. And that's what some are doing, saying an April 4th event at Apple's new Steve Jobs Theater. Why April 4th, you say? Well, someone noticed that some iPad Pros 
would not be available at a bunch of Apple stores for pickup until April 4th. The only problem with that theory is in the screenshot they used to justify it, there were other stores saying available today. And expect that April 4th rumor to be disputed in 3, 2... Okay, right on cue, Mac. Rumors chimes in and says, whoa, wait a second, not so fast on that April 4th rumor. First, they say the in-store pickup tool is generally not a reliable indicator of any launch, and that the day after the story broke, they used the, it and ran the same stores uh, that the other person had run the day before. It said April 4th, and one day later, it said April 5th. So either the indicator is just a rolling window of X days out, or Apple moved their event by one day the next day. It is not likely an April 4th event will happen. Uh, it is possible that there will be a spring event. It sure would be nice to talk about something other than iPhone 8 rumors for a while, which I just could not bring myself to talk about this episode. So a whole bunch in the next episode. But back to the spring event rumor. In the past, we get some leaks about products for an event, pictures of the product, something. This time, nothing. So either what will be at the spring event looks identical and fit and finish to the current products, or we are looking at a late April best case for the event, more likely May, which leads into other issues. Um, if they are identical fit and finish, does Apple even bother doing an event and just updates the specs quietly and then briefly mentions them at WWDC? More on this maybe soon. Maybe not so soon. The next-gen Galaxy S8 Plus from Samsung is expected to be launched late in the spring, but someone seems to be doing some benchmark tests, and those results have leaked out. And, well, it's nothing to write home about, unless your home is in Cupertino and you are looking for a good laugh. The single-core score was 1929 versus the single-core score of 3305 for the iPhone 7 Plus. That has some analysts saying the launch will not be as hot as last year's Galaxy launch. And I'm guessing that was not as hot comment. Might be in a reference to, well, let's just say Samsung has to put out a video to talk all about the work they're doing to make safer batteries. So this year, Sammy will spend a bunch of time talking about battery safety for a device that does not, dare I say it, hold a candle to the iPhone 7 Plus. Sorry, could not resist. Yeah. This product cycle is going to be a wash for Sammy, but just not in one of those 2.8 million Samsung washers that were recalled late last year. When I first read this next article, I thought eh, it was no big deal. It said a commercial malware scanner found malware pre-installed on 38 Android devices belonging to two different companies. I thought that meant two companies that are using their software, like you know IBM or Adobe, um, they found 38 individual users' devices with malware pre-installed. Uh, we've talked about malware being pre-installed, and it seemed like it was mostly a smaller issue and mostly for Chinese OEMs. Then I read the article in more detail. And this was not about individual devices, but 38 different models of devices. The infected devices included the Galaxy Note 2, the LG G4, the Galaxy S7, the Galaxy S4, the Galaxy Note 4, the Galaxy Note 5, the Galaxy Note 8, uh, Xiaomi MI 4i, the Galaxy A5, the ZTE, X500, and a whole bunch of others, Nexus 5, Nexus 5X, Lenovo S90, Lenovo, a, a whole bunch. So again, 38, I'm not going to go through them all. 
The malicious malware was not part of the official ROM firmware supplied by the phone manufacturers, but rather added somewhere along the supply chain. In six cases, it was added to the ROM using system privileges, meaning it could not be removed without a complete reinstall of the original ROMs, which is not something users can do. So what we're looking at here is when they said two companies, that was two suppliers, so two points of sale. And when you go back through their supply chain, somewhere along the line, the original ROMs were replaced or malware was added in. So by the time the end user went to buy it from these two suppliers, there was malware already installed. From the article, quote, This finding proves that even if a user is extremely careful, never clicks on malicious links or downloads a fishy app, he or she can still be infected by malware without even knowing it, said Checkpoint threat researcher Daniel Pardon, who told this to Ars Technica, and he finished up saying, quote, this should be a concern for all mobile users, unquote. And by users and mobile users, he obviously means Android users in those quotes. Into the email bag we go. Aram, a new problem has popped up out of nowhere the past couple of days on my iPhone 7 running iOS 10.2.1. Not jailbroken, never experienced this before. The past two mornings, after being connected to an Apple charging cable overnight, my alert sounds on the phone were messed up. My custom ringtones is switched to the classic opening ringtone, and the incoming mail tones is also switched to the classic tone. Yesterday, I was logged out of Instagram, although I, that did not happen today. Again, I did not change any of this, and it happened out of the blue and for no reason. If you know uh, what is causing this, I'd love to hear from you. Also forgot to add that almost every time I'm in messages, I'm asked if I want to turn on read receipts. Currently have it turned off in settings. Lots of strange stuff happening I've never experienced before. Regards, Mark. Mark, that's a strange one. I've never heard of that one before. If anyone out there has had this experience, please give us a call. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Now, my first suggestion to you would be close out all your apps. Do the force. Uh, quit of everything, do reset network settings, have it come back, uh, do the backup of it, and see if the problem persists. If it does keep persisting, do the full backup of the device, and then do a restore. Restore um, the device back to factory settings, and then after you've done the restore, then pull everything over from your backup. But that said, you may want to listen to the next episode to see if we have anybody that calls in and or emails in and tells us they've had the same issue and what they did to fix it. Thanks for the email. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. You might just change your mind after this information. This is with regards to the Kickstarter Snaps project. As far as I know, no one that funded the Kickstarter project Snaps has gotten any of these devices. A lot of the funders are trying to start a class action lawsuit in Canada since the company is based in Canada. When I last contacted you about seeing what you could find out after the product uh, after the podcast, when you told us that you had no luck contacting them, I then decided to try another project on Indiegogo. It's called ASAP Connect. This one came through with fulfillment. They are not bad, but one drawback is they will not stay put when answering uh, or using the phone. I keep my eye on the Snaps Kickstarter page and found in the comments that someone was selling the Snaps, Z-N-A-P-S, same spelling, and, well, I wanted to see if I could get them as proof to any lawsuits that someone was selling the inventory that was intended for the backer. I was billed quick, and they were shipped quick, and I got them in three days. 
Funny, though, that they shipped from China. Below is photos of one of the packages of the snaps. I tried one out after about five uses. The adapter piece came apart just at the magnetic ring plates and up with the plastic. The only way I could fix it was with clear heat, sh uh, heat shrink, clear so not to block the charging LED. As with the other project, they don't say, stay in place when using the iPhone. Regards, Thomas from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, one of the dumb backers of this project. He said that, not me. Um, so, Thomas, I think I know what's going on here. If you go back and look at the history of the Snaps, they had a whole batch made over a year ago, and they were getting ready to ship them, and they were doing testing, and their testing found that things were falling apart. So they had to go back to the drawing boards and redesign. My guess is that these ones that they're selling that fell apart on you are the original group that they made and that were probably supposed to have been destroyed, but the company that was making it for them in China said, well, I got these things packaged here, we'll just sell them. And now they're selling them, and it's not really officially from Snaps. Now, that's I'm being kind and optimistic and trying to give the benefit of the doubt there, but that's my guess. If you go back and look at the history of this, they did say they had issues where they fell apart when they got to testing and they had to redesign, and the manufacturing wasn't up to snuff. So that all fits in with what you saw happen with your devices, with what they reported happening. So again, I, I find it hard to say the folks at Snaps were being malicious. I just think it was incompetence, not mean incompetence, but just they tried to get it done, and the design didn't work. Uh, not that there, there have been cases, don't get me wrong, there have been cases where people took the money and ran, but it looks like these guys actually tried to build product and at the end of the day ran out of money. Um, so anyway, but Thomas, thank you for your feedback. Hey Rob, it's Brent out here in Oklahoma City. Um, I'm just calling in um, response to your response uh, to my voicemail about Kicks and Indiegogo and, and disputing the charges and so forth and the fraud situation and all that. I agree with you on on almost everything that you said. I, I understand that. I, I've learned now my lesson that I'm not going to use them uh, to fund or to uh, you know to, to try to buy items for my store. I you know I, I get that now. But but here's here's my side of it. When the first uh, project, uh, when they send an email out and says if you'd like your money back, uh, email us and we'll PayPal you uh, your money back, and they offer that. And a person like myself emails them back and says, okay, I'd like my money back. And then they don't follow through with that. And they just, I never hear from them again. Uh, to me, that's fraud. They're offering to give me my money back, and then they're not giving my money back. Okay, that's the first project. The SNAPS project, um, you know, all the way up until the very they never once said these weren't going to be produced. They never once said that these don't work. They said, the last email I got from them said, we will be shipping your items out, you know, next week. And so, and then they just drop off the face of the earth. If they would have sent out an email to listen, you know, we've expended all of our funds, we've we've done everything we could do, and we just can't get it right, I, I could better accept that. But when they say, hey, we're going to be sending your stuff out next week, and then there's just nothing, uh, no other word from them at all, no product, whatever, that again to me is, is misleading and fraud. So I understand what you're saying, but I also hope that you understand kind of my point of view on these particular projects. And so that's why I felt that the dispute was in order 
because of the misleading nature of it. The SNAPS project never once said they didn't work, never once said that they just couldn't get it right. And um, and then the first project offered my money back, and they didn't give it to me. So, um, But, yes, you're very correct that I'm not ever going to try to use this to, to, to buy pro- uh, products for my store through Kickstarter and Indiegogo. That's not the correct way to uh, to do it, and I've learned that. So I, I just wanted to give you my side on that, and I hope you see where, where I'm coming from. So thanks for uh, letting me uh, explain that to you, and uh, catch you later. Brent, thanks for the feedback. Now, I do have to say on the SNAPS one, they actually did have an update. If you go back into late 2015 and you look through their updates, they went through where they were doing the tests and the mechanical tests and it failed the pogo pin durability test or whatever it was. And that caused the units, they had to redo everything over. So they were trying or so it appeared and you have pictures of parts and they went back and had to retool and redesign. So again, on their side, I just think it it wasn't. Now, the other guys that you're talking about where they offered you a refund and incentive, that's that's obviously a different issue. But with the SNAPS folks, I'm not trying to defend them here, but I am trying to say, you know, I don't think this was fraud. I, I just think this was more incompetence. The second generation Apple TV has officially been added to the obsolete product list by Apple. It's been obsolete for some time, but now it's officially obsolete, which means, hey, Now that opens up space for a fifth-generation Apple TV. Over on the jailbreak side of things, yes, I still talk about jailbreaking every now and then, there is a new tweak coming for AirPods. It's called, I'm going to spell it, S-I-L-I-Q-U-A. I'm trying to pronounce that one. And it will get your AirPods new features. Now, this tweak is in beta, and the current feature set is limited, but the dev plans to add more features, What I like about this is, even before it's released, is the jailbreak tweaks tend to be ones Apple looks at later, borrows ideas for. And what this one is going to allow you to do is, again, you can add custom features for different taps and sets of taps for your AirPods. As I said before, I would love to see different features added for tapping on the different AirPods, like double tap on the left one does one thing, double tap on the right one does something else. And the same with triple tapping. And it would be great for Apple to let us decide from multiple options what those actions are. Like triple tap on the left, volume down. Triple tap on the right, volume up. In the meantime, if you are jailbroken and have AirPods, keep an eye out for S-I-L-I-Q-U-A. Thanks for Bruce P. for the suggestion on this one. Hey Siri, do you have a boyfriend? I'm omnirelational. Do you have a boyfriend? I like to think of myself as everyone's friend. Do you have a boyfriend? I'll leave the relations to the databases. Do you have a boyfriend? I'm not into terrestrial partnerships. I'm more of a free radical. Do you have a boyfriend? My end-user license agreement is commitment enough for me. Do you have a boyfriend? No, but drones are always trying to pick me up. Folks, thanks for your patience between episodes. Uh, my voice is back, and things seem to be better, so I hopefully we'll be back on a more regular schedule going on. That was the longest break between episodes in 10 years. So again, hopefully everything should be back now and see another episode here in the next 7 to 10 days. Thanks again to Casper for their support of TII. And if you go to casper.com slash TII and use the promo code TII, all lowercase, you'll save $50 off a mattress shipped right to your door. Again, go to casper.com slash TII and use promo code TII. 
Before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. Feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant about something else. An app, a product review, good or bad, as long as it is iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature on the show that you've created iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in, and, and preferably a picture of you in front of an Apple store. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on iOS device to play on the show. Your show and your feedback and contributions are greatly appreciated and desired. Also, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. Thanks again to Texture for sponsoring this episode. Folks, go right now to texture.com slash TII to get your free 14-day trial with access to well over 200 of the best and most popular magazines from real news sources. Finally, check out the newly updated TI app, which is free to you. We now have the Apple Watch app included. Search for TII in the iTunes App Store. It is the best way to consume the show and to get push notifications each time a new episode of TII is released, which lately has been hard to guess at. It is fully voiceover friendly, of course. Please go right now and download the TI app. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, reminding you, go Flyers! This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.